episode of the top five report the podcast that often wonders how does the master chief clean his armor my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter here hey man <laughs> what's um, up <laughs> how's it going <laughs> um uh, pretty good pretty good uh it's the weather's been like super nice and then it got really cold which sucks but uh yeah otherwise i'm doing pretty great how about you <laughs> got kind of rainy the weather got amazing and then it got rainy and today it was just kind of blah it was kind of a sit at home and read day i just wish i could have sat at home and read today <laughs> <laughs> i i know that feeling um yeah actually since this week like this past week up until today was really nice i've actually been trying to uh you know, stay outside as much as possible and then otherwise just work on art and stuff. So I actually don't have a ton of watching and reading. I don't know about you, but <laughs> well, what have you watched and read? Um, mostly uh, Star Wars vintage on uh, Disney Plus. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I've I've checked it out a little bit. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, the other day I was looking for something for my son to watch and uh, I put the old Ewoks cartoon on a whim just to see like how he how he would respond to it. And he actually seemed kind of into it. But uh, that cartoon's just weird. Like it's <laughs> it's yeah. just I mean, it's your typical 80s animation but i think it was the theme song just really threw me off because <laughs> the theme song just was the opposite vibe that i expected and i don't know if if you're familiar with the theme song or if you've watched that cartoon in a while I'm, but I, I have not watched in a while i am familiar enough with the theme song but it's also uh, <laughs> it's also a show that um I know it was incredibly difficult to write because they weren't allowed to use so much stuff from Star Wars, like Stormtroopers, for example, or like main characters. So it was like, OK, so the Ewoks are going to go get rocks to build the wall. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is I, it's just a weird episode. And they, you know, so I, I've, yeah, I'm a, I've heard so several times from the writers that the writing was very, very difficult on that show. <laughs> So. Yeah, I've noticed that they made up a lot of uh, alternate species and clans and stuff that the Ewoks have different disputes with. And I feel like between that cartoon and the uh, Ewoks movies, they've just they've really built a lot of uh, lore around, you know, the forest moon of moon of Endor that you wouldn't expect. But uh, no, I just thought it was amusing. And just that, that theme song is really funny. It just had like a. I don't know. It had it was like had more of like a weird earthy seventies rock vibe or something to it, and I just wasn't expecting that for some reason. So I found it amusing. Um, other than that, I've pretty much just watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, have you watched anything new or exciting this week? So we'll get to Falcon and Winter Soldier in a moment because yes, I watched that. Um, I did watch um, Mighty Ducks. 
Oh, the, uh, the new series, the new, the new show has started on Disney yeah. plus mighty ducks game changers. Um, it's really cool. Nice. Like, it's awesome. The ducks are back. Let's put it that way, but it's back in like the most uh, perfect way of bringing it back. Um, so I'm going to spoil this just a little bit because literally the first episode, uh, sorry, the first episode opens with this and you understand where they're going. So it's, this isn't, this is when I say spoiler, we're talking like the first two minute spoiler. Um, mm. the ducks are the villains this time around. Um, Oh, okay. So essentially you watch the original movies and then the mighty ducks have become the franchise that everyone wants to be because they came from nowhere and then became this amazing thing. But now you have the kid who got cut from the ducks and is like, what? And his mom's like, well, we should start our own team. Nice. You know what I mean? And it's going to be that, and it's going to be that heartwarming hockey, you know, ducks thing, but the mighty ducks are going to be the villain team in this. Um, and it's, it's so brilliant that they flipped that script, if you will. Um, and as the, I mean, there's only two episodes out, but to see how it's going to piece itself together just over those couple episodes, it's great. And the, the writing is really, really good. And I'm not talking writing just on a story level, but in a dialogue level, because there are these uh, just wonderful, wonderful one-liners that have me laughing out loud at, <laughs> um, <laughs> especially when they poke fun at like the sports parents and stuff like that, that we all kind of, you know, you can, you can go to any sporting event for kids these days, like baseball, you know, peewee baseball, soccer, whatever. And you can look around and you can see the sports parents that, you know, hold absolutely their, like my kid is going all the way kind of thing. And we seriously, it's, he's not, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can see that. So like the way they poke fun at the sports parents, the way they poke fun at the participation awards, the way <laughs> participation trophies, it's so well thought out and you're just like man that's amazing <laughs> so, um, that's awesome i do oh, what uh, were you gonna say? sorry and then one of the kids one of the main characters who becomes on the team is a kid who uh podcasts for the mighty ducks so it just oh, of course <laughs> it made me laugh and he's just like here i am podcasting again from the bench like <laughs> that's great <laughs> Um, I was going to say, I do know one person who keeps pestering me to watch the show. Like, like just, you know, have you watched Mighty Ducks yet? And I just so far haven't had the interest. So I kind of uh, avoided it. But you've kind of sold sold it to me like it sounds pretty cool. And I forgot that they were releasing it on a weekly basis. So it should be pretty easy to catch up. So I might I might check this one out, actually. It's out. It's on. The, it releases the same night as Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So you watch one, you watch the next one right yeah. now. Right now, it's adorable. It's charming. It's exactly what it needs to be. And I can't wait to see how the season progresses. I don't know if it'll be like a one season thing or if it's like a multi thing, but so far it's perfect. So <laughs> nice. Um, let's see. I watched. Yeah, I watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I watched the Snyder Cut once again. So I've seen it. Five, <laughs> I've seen it five times now. <laughs> um, and that's probably. Yeah, I've seen it five times now um, and it just gets better every time. Um, yeah, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to really like study it and piece together stuff. And um, yeah, so and I want and I, I had a really interesting conversation with someone about how uh, important the flash is in the story because they didn't understand because there were a couple things that came up that they didn't understand. One, uh, 
there's an issue with the flash. They didn't understand this thing where um, basically the, the justice league loses and the flash goes into his like speed force stop time, slow motion stuff. And he sees the world rip away from itself and he realizes what's going on. And he starts running at full speed towards the explosion and everything starts to fix itself is because flash has to reverse time to fix the mistake that happened over there where everybody died. Yeah. Uh, and it's if the Flash wasn't there, the movie would have been over. It's such an incredible, incredible scene. To, and for me to like, like I got it the first time, but the more I watched, the more beautiful that sequence is. Uh, the other thing about the Snyder Cut I wanted to point out that someone didn't get was the uh, because it's a callback to Man of Steel that you had to have watched the other movies leading into to understand this. There's the line where uh, Steppenwolf says, um this planet has no protectors, no lanterns, no Kryptonians. Um, the question that arose was how would he have any clue that a Kryptonian could do what he did, what Superman did, if they've never encountered a Kryptonian before? Because Krypton was destroyed and Superman is the last one. So this is their first encounter with Superman. Right. To which I understand that. But if you go back to Man of Steel, the Kryptonians were terraformers and had reached out beyond their limits and were trying to rebuild planets. And that mm-hmm. Kryptonian ship had already come to Earth at one point. So Kryptonians already knew about the science of the of the Yellow Sun, giving them the abilities. That's how Jor-El would have known to send his son there. Like, the science was already there. It's just these things happened so long ago that Jor-El dug it up. He's like, oh, look at this thing in the archives. I'm going to send my son there because the sun, the Earth's sun will protect him and that kind of thing. They know about Kryptonians. So it's all it's all in one giant bubble. It's three movies, you know. Yeah, I mean, those that's actually really awesome observations. And uh, I think that just kind of I don't know. It's one thing I really like about Zack Snyder is he he doesn't. uh he doesn't repeat a lot of things in his movies and he doesn't overly explain things. And it's kind of like, you need to pay attention to actually, you know, get everything out of the movie. And I think both of those instances are really great examples of that, which I really like because I always like uh, watching something that requires like an active uh, watcher, you know, somebody who's going to pay attention and has to piece things together a little bit. Um, The thing about the Kryptonians is, I guess even though, yeah, like Krypton is no longer there, I feel like uh, Krypton's presence would still be like a known force in the universe anyways. Like the terraforming stuff, like absolutely. But I feel like they were a big enough sort of planet or, you know, empire or however you want to think of it. Like, I feel like their presence would be known, you know, already. So that's kind of... uh, that's kind of where yeah. my mind was with it, but the terraforming uh, aspect, as well as just the you know branching out like all over the you know galaxy or whatnot, I think that's a really good point, actually. So I don't know, but yeah, well, I just it was an interesting conversation, so I thought I'd uh, bring that up. But let's uh, two things, two other things. Uh, another thing I watched before we talk about Falcon Winter Soldier. I don't have a lot to say on that just before we talk about it. Um, uh, the Loki trailer. Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, it looks cool. Loki looks <laughs> awesome. So if anyone doesn't know, there's a new trailer out for the Loki show, which I believe that's the next one. So when Falcon and the Winter Soldier ends, June 11th, we got Loki to look forward to. So, uh, look, Marvel's doing the Lord's work in terms of what they're doing over there um, with movies and then leading into these shows. They're just so good. 
Um, I'm so happy to see what Falcon Winter Soldier is doing because it's fantastic. But this Loki show looks great. And uh, in terms of multiverse craziness, since we're kind of leading that way, knowing that he's out there with a Tesseract bouncing around, I can't wait to see what that means. (laughs) Um, Yeah. No, absolutely. I actually said uh, it looks cool, like on purpose as an understatement, because I actually agree. Like this show looks awesome. Um, And just from a story standpoint, like it just like I knew this was going to be a time and location and, you know, possibly potentially dimension uh, exploring show. But it just the scope of the show just looks so impressive. And uh, it's just one of those things where I don't know, just story wise, I feel like we're going to deal with a lot of like esoteric um, concepts. But I, it looks like it's going to be something really intricate. And um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it just looks like it's going to be this really intricate um sort of exploration of this uh, MCU that they've set up. And uh, I'm actually like, like I'm enjoying Falcon and the winter soldier, but the one thing I'm kind of missing from it that I got out of WandaVision is those sort of, uh, you know, those that like underlying sort of like uh, philosophical concepts and conundrums. And like, that's what I'm looking forward with. The Loki show is just plot wise. It looks like it's going to be very, um, you know, complicated and philosophical and really interesting. So I'm excited for that. But just with all that said, visually, the show looks really impressive and it looks like it's going to be like every episode is going to be a unique but really spectacular adventure. So I'm pretty excited about it for sure. Um, I don't know if I have any like super specific comments on the trailer and I don't know if you do either. If you just kind of, you know, want to move on from talking about Loki. (laughs) It's because it's a it's a trailer and it doesn't give a lot. There's not much to say about other than the fact that it looks cool and yeah. I can't wait. So it's just another it's just another thing. And this is that thing that Disney Plus is doing so smart. We finish the Mandalorian. And as soon as we get done, they hand us WandaVision. And as soon as we're done, they give us Falcon and Winter Soldier. And as soon as we're done with that, they're going to give us Loki. And as soon as we're done with that, we're going to get the Mandalorian again. It's yeah. just they're doing they're they're doing such a nice job of it. And in the week to week, I love it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I think. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. You give me the you say, oh, hey, Stranger Things is on Netflix. Great. And I have to go. Did you watch it yet? And you're going to go, well, I'm on episode five. So we got to wait a week before I can talk about it. And then we don't have the conversation <laughs> where this is literally week to week. I'm like, dude, did you watch it? Yeah, I did. Let's great. Let's talk about it. And it's it becomes the water cooler talk. And I love this week to week stuff. So. Absolutely. Um, No, I guess I guess like uh, because I know I kind of rambled on a bit about the Loki trailer, but I guess like my main feelings towards it is I remember when we reviewed the most recent Falcon and the Winter Soldier trailer and we were both kind of like, yeah, I mean, the action looks great, Um, you know, and we don't know what the story is yet. And this one, even though they haven't revealed a lot of the story, I think the bits that they have have really intrigued me. And that's that's the thing is I just think this looks really interesting and intriguing, um, kind of in the same way that WandaVision ended up being. So I'm actually really, really excited about this. But uh, yeah. Well, it's a good segue into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So um, do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Do you have thoughts? Um. I yeah, I don't I don't have too much to say. Um, I don't know if you wanted to go first. Maybe I can think of more. Um, I mean, it, it was a good episode. Um, I liked 
I liked a lot of it. There's a couple aspects that I didn't like. Well, not that I didn't like, but I thought a couple aspects were a little bit tedious. But um, yeah, what what did you think? What are your overall thoughts? So first off, this is this is where I wanted the show to be like right out of the gate. And I understand. we Absolutely. I agree with that. We kind of had to slow burn up to it, which is okay because it was only two episodes. But we built up to this episode. Um, I my favorite movie of the entire MCU period is the winter soldier. And it's because of story. It's because of plot. It's because of uh, action. It's because of uh, characters. It's because of like, there's a lot to that movie that makes it my favorite, but this feels like it's picking up on the heels of that espionage drama that they had in the winter soldier. It's like, we're right back to the gritty spy work. We're right back to that winter soldier um, mythos and lore and all that stuff going on. So you're not getting the fat, fantastical characters with superpowers like, you know, Scarlet Witch and Vision and Loki and all that. You're now back to the street level characters and they have to be sneaky and stealthy and go to their military training. And you're getting these and you're basically in that spy universe right now. And I have been since the show started, I'm like since episode one, I'm like, where's Sharon Carter? Where's Sharon Carter? I've been waiting for it the whole time. And then now she's in and I'm like, I hope it's not just a one episode thing. And the way the episode ends, I'm like, yes, we're getting more Sharon Carter. Um, So this episode was very like, we're going to put some pieces of the puzzle together. We're going to show you guys where we're really going with this. And we're going to show you some amazing, amazing things leading up to the end of this episode. And you're going to be really amped up for the, where we go. Um, I'm just, I feel like I'm completely guessing. It's not like I don't, it's almost like I don't have much to say because I'm like, I don't know where we're going with this, but I'm on the, I'm on the ride along with you guys and it's fantastic. So. Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, I, I agree for the most part. I thought it was, uh, it's, it was a really great episode and I definitely agree where, you know, we kind of wanted them to go to this place uh, right off the bat. Um, the only I did say I found a little bit of the episode tedious. And the only reason for that is um, the process of finally getting to the scientist who recreated the, uh, you know, super soldier serums. I felt like that process took a while. It's like, OK, first we got to go to this island and then we have to go to this bar and then we have to talk to Selby and then we have to meet up with um with uh, I can't remember her first name, but Carter and and I just I Sharon I think like Sharon Carter. Okay, I, that's what I was gonna say, and then I was like, wait, is that the right name? Anyway, anyways, um, but I think that process I was it felt a little bit like, okay, now we have to talk to this person. Now we have to talk to this person, and like as far as the overall plot, we weren't getting a lot in that time, so I did kind of feel like that was a little bit tedious, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to be too negative, but that was the one aspect I didn't like out of this episode. But in the meantime, I mean, they did have a lot of really cool action sequences and there was a lot of really cool stuff going on. Um, I guess my patience for it uh, was a little bit less than probably a lot of other people's. But at the same time, I will say that part when they're talking to Selby and um, uh, Falcon gets a phone call from his wife. That's actually the first time. What? That's his sister. Oh, oh, you're right. I why did I think wife? I think it was. It just seemed like such a. Uh, that's <laughs> okay. I'm an idiot. I can't believe I just said that. I think I'm not trying to phone... correct you necessarily, but I don't want someone on no, the face no, page. no. You're you're hey. you're right. Beca- <laughs> because no, no, you're right because um, 
the reason I got it confused is because the way the phone call went felt like such a um, husband and wife kind of phone call. But you're totally right. I'm I shouldn't have messed that up. Um, so <laughs> anyways, good. that that phone call is the first time I've actually laughed out loud while watching this show. And it's kind of funny because a lot of people I've seen online saying like all these episodes they've said, like, are so hilarious. And I don't know if it's because I'm watching these episodes alone in my house and I've just haven't had that sort of theater experience where you have that shared laughter because the show hasn't made me laugh out loud at all. But that was the first time where I was like, okay, that scene was genius and that's hilarious. Um, Yeah. So that's mainly what I had to say. Um, Like I said, it's a pretty good episode overall. I just, I did find it a little bit tedious and uh, I can't believe I called his sister, his wife. That was really stupid. (laughs) All good, man. All good. Well, we have plenty of Falcon and Winter Soldier to go. So uh, more to come on that as the show releases. Uh, so what for or it's Thursday night. So next week or next week, tomorrow night, I get to sit down and watch the next episode. Right. Um, let's talk some news, man. You ready? Yeah. OK. Um, this is this week has gotten crazy um, in terms of uh, Snyder cut nonsense. Um because it, there's a lot of back and forth stuff and it's getting kind of convoluted to try and uh, follow in terms of everything that's happening related to the um, uh, Snyderverse. Um, however, uh, one of the things I wanted to point out, um, this is this is the one that caught my attention. And I'm going to I might read this whole thing, if that's all right with you. Um because this is this could all break down to the fact that the rock could be the linchpin that keeps the Snyderverse intact. <laughs> all right. Um, because he advocates for wanting more of it. And uh, this is interesting. So let me read this. Um, As the conversation surrounding the future of the Snyderverse continues to rumble on, it, it was inevitable that once the ball started rolling, it would begin gathering additional caveats of rumor and speculation along the way. One of the more recent wrinkles in the story has been multi- multiple reports making the rounds that say Dwayne Johnson could turn out to be the integral, integral to the whole thing. Uh, there have been a variety of tales circulating over the last week or so that claim that the DCEU's Black Adam is fighting for the um, is fighting the restore of the Snyderverse behind closed doors in an attempt to try and convince Warner Brothers that picking up from where Zack Snyder's Justice League left off is in the best of all parties. Um, however, the world's biggest movie star has yet to publicly address any of these rumors, despite his willingness to share plenty of information regarding his upcoming slate. With his social media following, which numbers in the hundreds of millions, uh, Mickey Sutton is now claiming Though that the studio might find themselves having to bend to his demands, giving Johnson's status in the industry and reputation as a proven box office draw with his continued involvement in the DCEU potentially worth billions. Um, in the end, will AT&T allow Warner Brothers, Warner Media to tell The Rock he can't do this? They can't. The Rock is cash and this is worth billions. Quote from Mickey Sutton. Um One recurring theme of the Snyderverse discourse has been the reported difference in opinion between WB and its owner, AT&T, the latter of whom are said to be pushing for the Justice League's many dangling plot threads to continue being pulled on. So that means AT&T wants this to continue and Warner Brothers being the 
other side of the coin. Um, as things stand, we're no closer to getting an answer. But in the broad terms, Dwayne Johnson is contracted by DC Films talent, who presumably signed a multi-picture deal to headline Black Adam. So it's still unclear at this stage how much influence his contract gives him behind the scenes in regards to matters that happen outside of his own studio uh, solo franchise. So basically, The Rock is out there saying this needs to be a thing and fighting behind closed doors for all of us that are on the Internet doing what we can. (laughs) Nice. Um, I hope that that was kind of a mouthful for me to read, but I was like, there's no way for me to like paraphrase this. So I'm just going to read the whole thing. Yeah. So I guess um, like what specifically is the rock doing though? Or is he just like online showing his support, you know? Well, he's not online showing his support. He's behind closed doors because they're filming. They're start filming a week. So he's having like ground floor meetings with people. Okay. That's kind of crazy. And and he's he's signed for a multi-film deal. And he's like, no, 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 no. I have to fight Superman, for example. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I have to fight Henry Cavill Superman. He's eventually going to have to. You know what I mean? Like, when well, the, I mean, there was an interview with The Rock. Sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off. But there was oh, an yeah. with Rock a long time ago when he took Black Adam. And he said, I'm only going to. And when, before they announced that he was Black Adam, he said, I can only take a role that could stand toe to toe with Superman because that's the only kind of role that I'm willing to play. Mm-hmm. And when they announced it was Black Adam, that's when everyone was like, oh, my God, could we actually get to see a Black Adam or a Superman fight on screen? You know, so. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm actually glad that you uh, brought that up, because uh, when he was when he uh, teased that originally, when he's like, I'm going to be somebody in the D.C. universe. And, uh, you know, my one stipulation was it has to be somebody who can go toe to toe with Superman. This happened years ago, like he signed his contract like. Yeah, I don't even know if it was pre Batman v Superman or not, but it was a this was a long time ago <laughs> that this that, that was set in motion. And so he signed a contract to be part of the, you know, Snyder verse, you know, then known uh, DCEU. And so now that like so much has changed and they don't want to continue with that same universe necessarily, like I can definitely understand why he's like. No, I actually wanted it to, uh, you know, turn out different. And The Rock is such a uh, I don't know. They say The Rock prints money when it comes to movies like every movie he makes just is a box office smash. Like you can say what you want about the Fast and the Furious movies, but the amount of money that those movies make it. Fast and the Furious stands stands up there in terms of a pedestal with Marvel and Star Wars and Harry Potter. And those movies make Tons of money. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Well, it's just it just shows like he's the kind of guy who would have the clout to actually be doing these, you know, meetings behind closed doors and stuff. Um, so, yeah, this is a really interesting story. And I looked forward to seeing, you know, how this turns out. But uh, the other interesting point from the article or the snippet or whatever it was that you read was uh, how you mentioned how. uh AT&T is all for continuing these uh, Snyderverse threads and it's Warner Brothers that uh, is kind of trying to say no to that. But I mean, to me, I hear that and I'm just like, well, AT&T isn't caught up in the sort of in-studio politics that Warner Brothers is, you know, Warner Brothers have all these people who oversaw 
you know, these previous films and they have one p- opinion or another and their pride is probably getting in the way and stuff. And AT&T is just going like, no, the Snyderverse is a good thing. It's making us money. You know, let's keep it going. You know, why wouldn't we? So right. that, that's a really interesting aspect of the whole thing. It is. And you got to remember, AT&T is the parent company. So they very well could have final say when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. But you also have to remember there's two divisions here to Warner Brothers. There's Warner Brothers proper and then there's Warner Media. Warner mm-hmm. Media handled the Snyder Cut. And Warner Brothers is the one saying, no, we're making all these other DC movies. We're not doing that anymore. And Warner Me- Media is saying, well, we have the Snyder Cut. There's a chance we could just do all the Zack Snyder stuff on HBO Max exclusively. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then people are going to go, oh, I have to keep HBO Max or I have to get HBO Max. You know what I mean? It's a subscriber thing. There's a numbers game. You know, it yeah. doesn't have to be box office dollars. Um, but and I, I will say, well, I was just going to throw in just this is kind of a little bit out of the blue, but I still haven't heard a lot of Snyder Cut hate, which is really awesome. Like most people I've heard who've watched it, even people who aren't big, like comic book fans have been really liking it. And I've been hearing some constructive criticism, but it wasn't like man of steel or Batman V Superman, where people are kind of throwing a shit fit, like, excuse my language, but online, like, you know, people were really berating fans of those movies. Um, and I think it's just, I still just really like the fan response to the Snyder cut so far. It's been great. Um, but yeah, what, what were you, uh, or yeah, what were you saying? Well, the point is the fact that it's okay to not like something too. So it like, you know, where you say, well, I didn't like that. And then someone screams at you and says, no, you're wrong. Um, yeah. it's okay to not like something. Um, it's okay to, to like something as well. And I think that's just one of the things people I think often forget is like, let people like, like things, you know, you don't have to like it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, on the note of Warner media slash Warner brothers, putting stuff on HBO max or HBO max exclusively same day as theaters and stuff like that. We are basically getting the entire year of 2021 for their whole slate on HBO Max same day as theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, Warner Media announced that it will make its 2022 movies theater exclusives. So this year of getting the at home releases um, was a is a one year thing. Uh, in 2022, it'll go back to theatrical release, which. I think we all expected. I think this was a special circumstance because of the COVID situation. Um, and it leaves Warner Brothers with a very nice, um, we caught up slate where all the other studios are still scrambling for rescheduling. Um, so where everyone said that this is a complete loss and they're not making the money that they want to because of the HBO Max, um, same day drop. Warner Brothers is in a position to their their house is clean, basically, if you, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean by that statement. So um, they caught up. They took 2020 as a loss. They made some money. They're making some money because theaters are opening up, but they're also getting subscriber numbers. And again, it comes down to a numbers game. So. Yeah, it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird like uh, loss leader situation a little bit, because like you said, like, well, pretty much all these movies were supposed to come out previously and they like all got or not all, maybe not all of them, but most of them got delayed. So we're finally getting them on HBO Max. But it's one of those things where they have to keep releasing films because 
you know, there is the box office dollars and stuff that they're missing out on, but they also have to keep that hype train going because people nowadays, their attention spans are shorter than ever. And if you don't have a DC movie coming out for two years, you know, are you going to still, you know, hold on to that hype, you know? Um, so, I mean, that's just, it's like, it's kind of a, you know, kind of, I think they're kind of doing what they have to do to keep the, uh, you know, love for their franchises alive. So, right. Well, love for franchise. Uh, let's talk about the Batman for a second. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey Wright from uh, Westworld is playing Commissioner Gordon on the Batman or Matt, uh, Matt Reeves is the Batman uh, with Robert Pattinson. Um, I want everyone to take this with a grain of salt. Um, I'm expecting sequels out of this. I'm not expecting a one shot movie with Robert Pattinson as Batman. I'm expecting a couple movies. According to Jeffrey Wright, the Batman may be getting a sequel or two. Um, it's one thing to let that slip. It's something else that this is where I think people need to understand. Nowadays, when you take on a franchise role, you are almost always I'm going to say that again, almost always contracted for a three film deal, mm -hmm. which allows them to utilize the character in the event that they go for a second or a third. Kill your character early. They don't know you're always contracted for a almost always contracted for a three film deal. So for him to say, hey, we're getting two sequels might not actually happen. Everyone needs to just let this movie be its thing and then we'll see where we go. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to hear. I think I expect this movie to do amazingly well. Um, a big part oh, of that yeah. has to do with the fact that it's Batman, but there's tons of hype for it. Everybody's excited for this thing. Um, I think Robert Pattinson is going to do really good as Batman. I mean, we've talked about that before, but just thinking about it again, I think this is going to be a new, really cool, unique take on Batman. And uh, I don't know, just hearing this story, it also kind of just makes me wish there is even more than, you know, two or three other films in this franchise, you know, with, uh, you know, God bless the MCU for the fact that they've been able to go so long without having huge cast changes or without, um, you know, just dropping the whole thing and starting a new uh, universe, you know, and I kind of uh, it'd be cool to see that from the DC side of things. Like, let's get a movie universe that goes longer than, you know, a couple movies and stuff like that. And I know I know there's the Snyderverse and then I know that uh, <laughs> there's the other DC EU movies and they're all like loosely related depending on who you talk to you know like wonder woman is part of it but wonder woman 84 isn't and stuff like that and it's a little confusing but uh no i mean it would be we'd all love if like we all loved the dark knight films but wouldn't it be cool if we got more than three of those you know that's just kind of what i was thinking you know it's just it'd be cool to have a batman series that went like five films seven films like think of the crazy it, stuff you know they what, could do you know what it'd be really cool is if we had a ben affleck batman series on hbo max that ran for like eight episodes <laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome just saying um let's talk about a series that is not that is going to go big and do great things but is not going to be the way i think disney and the rest of us were hoping um and that is the Spider-Man franchise or Venomverse or whatever you want to call it right now. Um, this is crazy. Sony and Netflix have reached a new deal. 
Netflix acquires Sony movie streaming rights starting in 2022, including Spider-Man and Venom franchises. This deal gives net, this deal gives Netflix this deal gives Netflix an 18 month exclusive window for these titles. Morbius will be the first major release from the studio that is expected to debut on Netflix in 2022. <laughs> that is hilarious. So, for those people that wanted your Spider-Mans on, um, for those people that wanted your Spider-Man movies on uh, Disney Plus, not gonna happen anytime soon. Um, and the realm of things converging because Sony's building their Spider-Verse. That contract of us having Tom Holland as Spider-Man for um, the Disney films, this la- this movie, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, is probably the last of it, um, even though it's supposed to be a shared universe after that. So we'll see what happens. Once see, it's, an, it's, another, it's another one. They get a trilogy, and then that's all you get. I know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really weird. And I know... I know the Marvel films are going to go in a completely different direction now because you're going to run into like the Eternals and they're running into a whole new story. But we could lose Spider-Man here for a little bit. So everyone strap in for that. It could be weird, but we're going to get this whole new Spider-Man Venom verse going on. The Carnage movie is coming soon. Um, I can't wait to see what happens. Hopefully Tom Holland's along for it because he said he wants to keep playing Spider-Man. And why wouldn't you? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just to clarify an aspect of that story, though. Uh, Morbius is going to drop on Netflix. This is going to be after the theatrical release. That's yeah. correct, right? Yeah, okay. it'll release in theater and first, and then it'll be the first of the movies that'll hit Netflix, and it'll, and Morbius will hit in 2022. Because so. I was thinking, like, what if... I, I didn't know if it was, like, Morbius was going to premiere on Netflix, and that would just be absolutely insane, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I have Disney+, Plus and I have Netflix, so I don't really mind, like... I'm looking forward to uh, watching Morbius on whatever platform they have it. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't really care. Um, but yeah, what else? All right. Well, I have two more news stories for the night. One of which I have to wait until we're ready to talk about the list because this news story ties directly to our list tonight. Awesome. Um, so uh, first, uh, the last news story that we will talk about tonight is a very rare Superman comic just sold. Uh, Interesting. That, that specifically rare Superman comic is Action Comics number one. Uh, nice. It had an 8.5 grading, which is incredibly high for that issue, um, which is a very it, high. It had issue. to be a time traveler. Let's be serious. <laughs> let's be serious. Rip Hunter came out of the multiverse himself and sold the comic. The comic sold for $3.25 million. That's, yeah. I mean, that's. So most I think the the time most recent that I heard about a, a copy of Action Comics number one selling, it was around the three million dollar mark. So um, that that didn't surprise me. I was actually expecting it to be higher a little bit, but that's just really crazy. And I don't know how they kept that comic in that position or, or in that condition. Like this is a comic that's going on 80 years old. When you think about it, like this comic came out in 1938, like what is that? That's almost 80 years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's more than 80 years, 1938. So it's more than 80 years because I'm, I'm I'm bad at math. Last I'm not week, that kind of nerd. <laughs> well, last week and I meant to. So uh, so it would be 83 years. Um, yeah. 
the uh, last week and I literally we turned off the microphones and I went, oh, I forgot to talk about that. So last week was the celebration of uh, Batman's first appearance in comics as the 82nd anniversary of Batman. Okay. Um, and I completely forgot to bring that up. So my bad. Uh, but hey, it was it was I was like, hey, it's Batman's birthday today. I know I tweeted about it, too, um, which there's a little bit of a disclaimer to that. The issue is marked for May because it didn't actually hit sales racks until May, but they debuted the character in March. So it was like a weird, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there was this weird uh, time frame where the character was released to the public and then released on magazine racks and stuff. So, um, but yeah, Batman's 82 years old now. I mean, it's something you forget that, um, I don't know, periodicals when people were still reading like print periodicals there, the date was always messed up. Like you'd get the January issue of your favorite magazine and it would still be November and you'd be like, wait, what's going on now? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, um, oh, also speaking of it, we didn't announce it yet, but, uh, the day that we're recording is actually Rex Manning day. So happy Rex Manning day, everybody. everybody. (laughs) You know, I should have made that the opener. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, happy Rex Manning day, everybody. Um, so, uh, you ready to talk to list man? Absolutely. Perfect. Um, so I got one more news story, and we'll save it for the list. So since that's the case, Ryan, do me a favor and roll the thing. And now for the top five. So, Peter, this was your pick. Yes. So um, give me uh, – why don't you explain to the listeners what list we're doing tonight, and then I'll tell you what this news story is, or do you want to do – um, you want to hear the news story first? Actually, the segue might be better. How about we do the news story first? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Do you know, do you know, this is a science story that caught my attention and this is a science story that I don't know if is a very good idea or not. Um, do you know what the company Neuralink is? Uh, yes, this is uh, Elon Musk's um, it's, brain it's brain chip thing, right? Brain trust uh, thing, yeah. So Neuralink is a device that will be surgically implanted planted into your brain, and with it, you'll be able to communicate with machines and even control them. It'll also help study the electronic signals in the brain and arrive at solutions that can help cure various medical problems. Okay. okay. So it's going to turn us all into cyborg pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So this is going deep science fiction, but this is what this company is. This is a real thing. It's owned by Elon Musk. The co-founder, Matt Haddock from Neuralink, states, and this is where it gets messed up. He says, we could probably actually build Jurassic Park if we wanted to. Would be genetically authentic dinosaurs. But maybe 15 years of breeding plus engineering to get super exotic novel species. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I have like Ian Malcolm's like thoughts in my brain right now. Just like it, his all of his lines of dialogue, like life finds a way. This is a bad idea. You guys, should, you know what I mean? Like, um, I just this this all sounds like the worst idea ever. But hey. Apparently, Elon Musk and his partner are looking to possibly actually make Jurassic Park. Yeah, I mean, it's 
I'm honestly a little bit more afraid of the Neuralink, actually. (laughs) I'm a little bit more afraid of, I mean, besides the fact that it would be really cool to have your latest, you know, top five report episode just download right into your head every Monday morning. No, just kidding. But I'm a little bit more afraid of having that chip in my head and, uh, you know, having somebody hack into it or, you know, some government agency hack into it or, you know, it's just pretty scary. But I mean, dinosaurs, I mean, we could handle dinosaurs, couldn't we? We just got to get the right fences and, you know, we got to be, you know, the guards at the park have to be, you know, artilleried up and stuff. But I, I think we could handle some dinosaurs. Um, it's kind of funny how long ago um Jurassic Park came out like it came out in 93, 94. I think it was 1994. What was it? 1993. Okay. So um, anyways, uh, yeah, I just remember watching that movie as a kid. And when you watch it as a kid, you it just seems like they have all the details ironed out. You're like, they really could do this. (laughs) And so it's kind of funny. And I don't know if the process of you know, making a new Jurassic Park in our day and age would be the same process. But it just it's kind of funny because it doesn't seem surprising. But I think that's one of the good parts of the, about the movie is the plan of, you know, how Jurassic Park was created seemed so believable when it came out. Um, what are your thoughts on this? What do you where are you at? Um, I it's, I would love to see a real Jurassic Park. I don't know if I want to visit one because I've seen the movies. Um, but yeah, I'm with you on the Neuralink thing. That's scary. Um, <laughs> and I held out on getting a smartphone for a very long time. And how long am I going to hold out on getting a chip in my brain? <laughs> there's too many, uh, there's too many science fiction things against that idea. So absolutely. Yeah. I don't have much. It just made me laugh. I'm like, we have to talk about this because they're going to try and build Jurassic Park for real. And then I was no, like, it's- and then yeah, it's it's oh keep going. <laughs> the perfect, perfect story to add to tonight's uh, list. So, no, it's an it's an awesome story, and um, you know, it's it's one of those things like uh, like I am a little bit more afraid of the sort of uh, incoming artificial intelligence, you know, robot apocalypse. Uh, you know, I'm a little more afraid of that than uh, Jurassic Park, even though you know if that went wrong and. Uh, you know, crazy dinosaurs got on the loose and, you know, eventually they're like invasive species all over the world. Like that's a pretty scary scenario too, but, uh, this one I'm, I'm looking forward to where it goes. So yeah, yeah. Good, uh, good catch with this one. I know. Right. All right. Well, how about this? Since we're talking big giant creatures that are going to eat us and it's a bad idea to put them on the (laughs) here, why don't you explain to us what we're, uh, what list are we doing tonight? Um, so yeah, uh, well, I've been wanting to do this list for a while and I kind of forgot about it for a bit, but, uh, I remembered it because of, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, you know, that movie just came out and I realized we never talked about our top five favorite Kaiju, um, before. So I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about that. Um, and I, I guess I, in my opinion, I think this list is Kaijus and giant monsters because, uh, the thing is. Like, Drew, you and I both like kaiju movies, but I don't know if either of us are experts. And I know there's a lot of there's a lot of other giant monsters in uh, Western media and comics and video games and just all over the place that we might want to include. So it's not just limited to your traditional Japanese uh, kaiju properties for this one. But, uh, yeah, I just thought this would be a really fun list. I love talking about giant monsters. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. The only rule I really said last week was I really feel like the monster has to be 
at least the size of or bigger than a building, you know, I don't want it to be like, you know, somebody who's only twice as tall as the average person, you know, it actually has to be a pretty substantially sized monster. But uh, yeah. do you have any thoughts on this one or do you just want well, to jump in? So I had so here was my trouble with uh, doing this list. Is I realized, like, we're going to be uh, matching a lot. Um, I think uh, more than we thought. And I was like, how do I make <laughs> different than Peter? And I started really exploring creatures because when you Google this stuff, there's a lot of like on the Kaiju list that are not that I don't know. And I was like, wow, there's a lot more than I thought there were. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to there's two on my list that are not that I think are not necessarily ones that you would have thought of. So okay, um, okay. there's at least two. I have a feeling will match on the other ones. I have a feeling I'm good to go on, but um, yeah, if that makes any sense, cause I, I didn't have trouble making it, but at the same time I was like, this is, this is a goofy uh, lineup. So um, yeah, I mean, Kaiju's is a deeper well than I think a lot of people realize like, right. There's a lot of people who've just kind of watched, uh, you know, some of the Godzilla movies and they don't realize that it's actually this huge movie genre. So you definitely could go pretty deep. Um, I don't know if any of my picks are really that deep, but they're just kind of the ones that I like the most and the kaijus I've connected with the most. So, um, yeah, I have two honorable mentions. I don't know about you. I don't know if you want to jump into the list or um, how you want to do this. I had one honorable mention and then uh due to a conversation today made me have a second so i have two honorable mentions oh okay cool yeah um so i guess i have to go first right so my first honorable mention um and this is and both my honorable mentions are technically cheats they don't really count as kaijus and that's why they're on the honorable (laughs) mention list that's why they make honorable mentions but because of what they are, you're going to laugh and you're going to understand why they're there. I just think they deserve shout outs. And that's the only reason I'm bringing them up tonight. And the yeah. first one uh, comes and this is the one that was added to my list because uh, of a conversation I had with our friend, Mary Liz, who um, if you're new to the show, uh, she's been on before. She if you've listened to the show in a while, she the last time I think we had her on was when we did our Disney episodes. Um, no, was she, I, she was on the Marvel, our top oh, five Marvel films. Yeah, she was. when we did our Marvel. Film I, I think that was the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's been on the show a few times. So just in a conversation with her, it came up in conversation and she's like, what are we doing? And when I had to explain to her what a kaiju was. Um, she goes, does this count? And I said, I started laughing and then I was like. It would count as an honorable mention. <laughs> I, I'm waiting to hear the Disney Channel original movie Kaiju that she pulled out of uh, the ether. Uh, no, no. What, what it's actually, not, it's actually not Disney Channel. We're going Nickelodeon. Okay, nice. We're going okay. Nickelodeon. Oh, I know exactly what it is. And Keep it going. Is, uh, it's Reptar from Rugrats. Yes. Reptar, uh, King of the Lizards. That's awesome. King of the Lizards. So I just thought it was uh, I just thought it was too great to pass up. So I give her full credit for adding something to my list. But um, yeah, I think Reptar counts. I mean, he's, <laughs> All right. a, he's a Godzilla parody. Um, right. Like I said, I kind of wanted to keep this list open because I know there's so many really great, you know, kaiju. And I know there's kaiju purists who would say it has to be, you know, 
you know, your traditional Japanese kaiju film, but there's some really fun picks like Reptar that could be on there. So that's an awesome pick. I didn't think of this one, but that's hilarious. Yeah. So um, was there anything it. specific you wanted to say about Reptar? Or just Not at of... all. It just it made me <laughs> laugh. And because of what it is, because of why he is, it was definitely worth a mention. And in the realm of Godzilla versus King Kong and all the other ones that we're probably going to talk about tonight, um, this this one I didn't want it to like fall under the rug and you know be forgotten about so had to give Reptar a shout out so <laughs> nice um, okay I guess moving into my next one um, this one's a classic and I'm just gonna get it over with but uh, my first honorable mention is King Kong and nope. uh, this King Kong somebody I struggle with because design wise he's just kind of a giant gorilla like he doesn't have He's not like some unique monster that was just created out of thin air. This is a giant ape, and uh, it's kind of pretty straightforward. But the thing is, when I think of King Kong, I think of all the different King Kong movies I've seen that I've really loved. Like, I really, really loved the uh, Peter Jackson King Kong. But when you go back to the older King Kong movies and his different appearances and some of those, like, uh, I remember the old... uh, like black and white King Kong where he's like stop motion and he's actually not even that big, but I've just had so much fun like watching King Kong movies in my life. And even though design wise, I don't know if I like him as much as a lot of monsters. I think I just really like the stories with him in in them a lot. And I think um, he's one of the few kaiju that I feel like you can watch a King Kong movie and relate to Kong on an emotional level as opposed to, um, you know, other monsters. And I don't know if that's because he is an ape and we're also, you know, primates and we just have that sort of uh, shared ancestry, if you will. You know, we can relate more to uh, that kind of a creature. I'm not really sure what it is, but uh, no, King Kong's awesome. And he just had to make my list in some way. So that's my first one. Um. Yeah, so King Kong, I agree with you. King Kong to me is never real. Look, we've had the other, the old Godzilla vs. King Kong movie. We got the new Godzilla vs. King Kong movie. Yeah, they were all awesome and fun and watching those two fight. But to me, King Kong was always a smaller creature. Um, because the, like the Peter Jackson King Kong is a perfect example of what I expected, but he does fall under the kaiju list because of what he is. Even if you're looking at the smaller version, he still falls under the kaiju. (laughs) I I honestly can't believe how big they made him in the, uh, the newer, um, Godzilla monster verse or whatever you, whatever you call it. Like he is just massive. And I never even thought like you'd see a King Kong that big, like he's almost as big as Godzilla, which is crazy. But, um, well, no, if yeah, gonna, if you're going to have the two of them fight, you got to have them be that big. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, I, I agree, but it's just, it's still crazy to actually see on film, you know? Um, yeah. So this rolls back to me for my first, next honorable mention. So my last honorable mention of the night is, and this is another one that's kind of a cheat, um, but that's why he doesn't make my actual list. He stays on my honorable mention side of things. And that is the stay puffed marshmallow man. Nice. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I, he's not really an animal. He's not really a creature, but because of his sheer size, I was like, eh, you know what? <laughs> um, we got, we got to add this one in. So yeah, no stay puffed is awesome. Like we've all, like we all grew up with ghostbusters. I'm like, He's one of uh, my favorite sort of like giant monsters, if you will, or whatever. So this is a great pick. And I feel like 
he is kind of a cheat, but I do kind of I I do feel like he kind of has honorable kaiju status. Maybe I I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on how much of a kaiju purist you're talking to. But uh, no, that's that's definitely a yeah, great and, goal. And like I said, he's on my honorable mention side of things and he's not. And look, I love Ghostbusters. This whole scene was great. He's massive. He's just terror. He's the giant terror thing. Speaking of, I don't know if you saw it. The clip that got released for the new Ghostbusters film with Paul Rudd in the grocery store. It's not a trailer. It's a clip. Have you seen this? I haven't watched it yet, but I know exactly where you're going. I saw the online buzz about it. With the little Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. (laughs) I've heard that that's getting a lot of hate, actually. Well, you know what? It was meant to be a gag, and uh, the trailer made the movie look awesome. So I'm in. Who cares? You right. know what I mean? Like, just everyone needs to chill out when it comes to that stuff, I think. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all right, so your next honorable mention. Yeah, I expect this one to make you laugh, and I don't know if you thought of this one or not, but my next honorable mention is the Marvel Mangaverse version of the Hulk. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if any of our listeners don't know, um, I think it was, like, early 2000s Marvel launched a uh, book series called Marvel Mangaverse, which was basically a bunch of Marvel books with a sort of manga or anime style. And they told this whole new um, sort of anime influenced version of the Marvel universe that was really crazy. But uh, the Hulk was uh, it wasn't your typical Hulk, you know, Uh, Dr. Banner turned into this giant Godzilla-esque monster version of the Hulk that was you know, literally Godzilla size and was running around destroying cities. And uh, he kind of in the first, uh, you know, the first Marvel manga verse story arc, he kind of ends up being like a huge uh, antagonist that everybody has to team up and take down. But I just I love that visual of like, you know, this sort of half Godzilla, half Hulk, you know, Kaiju just destroying everything and the story behind it both from like a production standpoint and a uh, like actually in universe story aspects, I just think is really amusing. So yeah, this one I just thought was a, a funny pull. Uh, it is. And I haven't, I haven't read the manga stuff in a while. It's fantastic. Um, it's really basically like a, it's a Japanese manga version of the Marvel universe and it takes everything to the extreme. I, I think Spider-Man was my favorite. I mean, I've always been a Spider-Man fan about how they handled him. I thought he was my favorite and I completely forgot about the Hulk being that big. <laughs> so. I, I, I thought of that. So I had my list and it was like this afternoon. I remembered that because I was trying to think of different like comic book giant monsters and stuff. And I remembered that and I was like, oh, I hope Drew doesn't remember the Hulk from Marvel manga <laughs> Yeah, I did not. So good call. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, so that goes back to my next one, right? Yes. All right. So you've already talked about it. There's not much more to say, but King Kong was my first actual pick of the night. Um, uh, we, so in a way, we matched, if you will. Um, like I said, I prefer the Peter Jackson kind of version where he's a smaller creature, but it still puts him in the kaiju category, if you will. Um, so, you know, King Kong is is. But when you look at the movie, the new Godzilla vs. King Kong movie, it was so much fun seeing him that big because you needed him to have that like giant axe baseball bat thing that he could swing at Godzilla and, you know, yeah. knock the buildings and stuff. And I'm going to say this. No one 
yelled at Godzilla versus King Kong in terms of the death toll and destruction the way they did with Man of Steel. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I did notice that and I was like, hell, and I did think about that. I'm like, this isn't fair. (laughs) I was uh, thinking about that, too, but I think it just goes with. You know, Superman's a character who doesn't typically kill, and uh, you have two giant beasts that are rampaging around the city. You know, I think that's the difference. But I, I definitely thought about that as well while watching this latest uh, Godzilla versus Kong film. Right. Well, what's your um, next pick for the night, man? Yeah, so my next one, I was actually going to save this one for later, but since you already talked about it, I actually did put Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man on my list. Nice. And, uh, I was going to save this one because I know it is kind of a cheat, but it's also a giant monster that runs through New York City and crushes cars. And, uh, you know, it's just a huge threat. And like, I don't know, it's just to me on paper, I still do think he fits in the kaiju camp. And the other thing is, I've already mentioned it, but growing up and watching Ghostbusters all the time, like this is one of like the maybe one of the first sort of giant monsters I've seen like in this sort of context, as far as like giant monster destroying city sort of thing. And just like maybe one of my favorites, just because of that childhood connection of just always watching ghostbusters so much and just loving, you know, when stay puff shows up, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. So yeah, I just had to, he had to make my list, you know? No, 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 no. I hear you. And that's, and (laughs) I just love that scene. It's just fantastic. Um, (laughs) And it's too bad. Yeah, no, they did put Stay Puffed in the girl in the one with the girls too. But it was very, very short, and it was kind of like it was almost like kind of a throwaway moment. Um, right. Okay. So my next one for the night, and this is the one I know you didn't think of, is uh, the Sandworm from Dune. Okay. Um. <laughs> um. And I thought about it because of the new trailer. Um. And First off, they were big in the original, but when you looked at when you look at how big they made them in this new movie that's coming, holy holy crap, that thing's massive. And I just figured with all the creatures out there, like having something that's underground and having like something that massive have to come up from underneath you. I mean, yeah, Godzilla comes up from underneath you because like the ocean, but this is a completely different, like we're talking like you're running along the desert floor and suddenly it's like, there's a giant worm coming up after you. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's, that was my pick. And I don't know if you have anything to add to that. It's just such a cool, uh, piece to add in there. So, yeah, no, this is a good pick. I've, uh, I haven't really, um, I've watched like some of the old like Dune. I like I've watched the old Dune movie and that's kind of or is that a series or a movie like I, I my experience with Dune as a whole isn't very vast. So I didn't think of this one. Um, I did think a little bit about the crate dragon from, uh, you know, this past season of The Mandalorian, which is obviously, you know, crate dragons were kind of influenced by Dune. Um in the first place, as far as I know, but, uh, no, this is a cool pick. And, uh, I mean that latest Dune trailer, like the, uh, the sandworm just looks, looked like pretty badass. And, uh, I'm just hoping they're able to, uh, 
just really capture the scale of like how massive they're, you know, they will be when we finally see that movie. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't have too many thoughts on this, but yeah, this is a pretty cool one. And I didn't think of this one. You were right. Well, <laughs> it really is the, uh, it's the sheer size of it. And I was, I remember watching that trailer going, I can't wait to see the sandworm. I can't wait to see the sandworm. And then when you see it, I mean, like even from an art design standpoint, the old ones were cool, but man, I cannot wait for that moment in the in the new movie when we get to see that thing for real. Like, holy cow, this thing's gonna be—it's gonna be awesome. So, mm. yeah, absolutely. All right. Nice. So your next pick? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to decide what I want to go. I'll I'll go with um, I'll go with a really random one I picked, and that was uh, uh, the character Goldar from the Power Rangers. Um, and if you remember Goldar, you remember that he was typically about the si- the size of a person um, because he was one of Rita Repul- Repulsa's sort of uh, henchmen. Yeah. But in the very first episode, you actually see him grow to, you know, the size of a kaiju and he fights uh, the Power Rangers while they're, you know, piloting the Megazord. Uh, they fight Goldar for the first, you know, he's their first big foe. And um, I just I've always thought Goldar had a really cool sort of design. He's he's very um I was going to say Griffin esque, but I know there's a better term for the fantasy creature where it's just a lion with wings without the uh, eagle head. And I can't remember what uh, that's called, but uh, no, he's uh, he's just a cool looking character with some pretty badass armor. And uh, I really like one thing I was thinking about with Goldar is he's a character who he does have that monstrous appearance and he does work really well as a kaiju but he also works really well as a human sized, uh, you know, normal sized villain. And I think it's kind of cool that they were able to capture uh, those aspects. And uh, I don't know, it's something about Power Rangers and, uh, you know, all those sort of Japanese Super Sentai shows. I think a lot of even though this, the shows are like corny as hell there actually was some cool design work in them you know uh there's some definite gems in there and i think goldar is one of those so drew i don't know if you have any thoughts on this one but since we're going with kind of random picks i thought i'd throw that one out there no that's that's actually a really good pull and like power rangers crossed my mind but i was like some of those creatures i don't even remember their names for so (laughs) absolutely and that's why goldar was one of the most memorable but he's also one of the ones where if you see a picture of him, you can take him seriously where I know there was some really, really goofy Power Ranger villains as well. So and uh, oh, just to clarify, the other thing I want to mention is I am talking about the uh, original like 90s Power Rangers uh, TV series, you know, yeah. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, not the they did do a new version. They did do a version of Goldar in the newer Power Rangers movie. And despite the fact that I love that movie, I kind of didn't really like that version of Goldar because he's kind of just a giant, you know, statue made out of melted gold. You know, he doesn't he's not really that cool of a monster. But um, yeah, that's yeah. That's no, pretty I, much agree. All I, have to I say. agree with you. And I knew you meant the I knew you meant the original version of Goldar that we saw from the 90s. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. All right. <laughs> so my next pick for the night is um, we're going to go into the Godzilla realm of things, and I'm going with King Ghidorah. <laughs> we actually matched on this one. Okay, cool. Um, this um, King Ghidorah, like what I like about this is this is a creature that goes directly back. Uh, it's the idea that like when you look at like the Hydra and you go into actual mythology um, the with the multiple heads and stuff, what I liked what I really like about King Ghidorah is even if you shrunk him down 
he fits the bill for like not just um, like a kaiju Godzilla Pacific Rim kind of situation. He also fits the bill of like he looks like he's pulled right out of Lord of the Rings or like Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. It's it's a really cool design for something that big. Um, it's like the it's like the biggest dragon you could possibly think of. And we're going to throw him in the uh, franchise with Godzilla and make them duke it out. Um but with King Ghidorah, for example, when you have um, – I loved how they – what they did with him in uh, like uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters when he was like controlling – it's the it's the idea of you can't have too many alphas. You know what I mean? And and they're battling for who is the uh, – basically the, the alpha, if you will. And he was like controlling the other kaijus. I just thought that was a cool thing that he was more of an alien from another planet than he was. Um, and I don't know if that was the original – Intent because the last time I saw King Ghidorah in a movie, I was too young to really know or care about that side of the story. <laughs> it was like, let's watch the big monsters kill things. So, yeah, uh, no, this is, um, well, yeah, I didn't. Were you saying more? Or? No, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, oh, so well, King Ghidorah for me is kind of uh, kind of along the same lines as you were saying, where it's a big this is a big aesthetic choice. Like, I think he is the coolest looking uh, kaiju out there. Like, he just looks badass. And like you said, he's he's a giant space dragon. Um, but, you know, he's got three heads and he just looks imposing. And when you actually look at one of those, uh, there's all those infographics online that people like to put out where it has like all the different kaijus and, uh, you know, what size they are in relation to each other. He is like one of the largest, like, I think he is the largest in size when you look at the traditional, uh, Japanese kaiju, uh, films. And, uh, he's just, he's just really cool. And, uh, I was reading up a little bit about King Ghidorah cause I'm kind of the same as you drew. Like this was an aesthetic choice. I don't know a ton about the character. So I was reading up about it and the, the backstory for him that I always knew was that he was that sort of he's a he's a space dragon that comes to different planets to destroy them. And then he moves on to the next one. And, you know, he ends up coming to Earth and he has to duke it out with Godzilla. And it's a it's a really cool story. But I actually didn't realize there's actually like a ton of other different backstories for him. when you actually go into the old uh like if you actually watch all of his appearances, there's actually a lot of different origins. Like that's not the that's not the only one, but I think that's kind of the main one. And uh, like you were saying, it that's kind of what they went with with this new Godzilla movie universe. But um, no, he's just cool. Like I don't know how you can not think King Ghidorah is cool. You know, he's just like he's a badass. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And I hear you, and I haven't read into any of the King Ghidorah craziness, if you will. So Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, we matched on that one, so that kicks it back to me, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned it earlier, and I'm bringing it up as an actual thing now, and that would be uh, the Krayt Dragon from Star Wars. Oh, awesome. Did we match on this? We no, we, we we did we didn't actually match, but I okay. loved uh, seeing that the Krayt Dragon, especially in the... Mandalorian, I just thought yeah, that what he they was did so the, badass. Yeah, what they did on the Mandalorian, how big they made it, that's not at all what I expected it to be. Because um, when you see the skeleton in uh, when you see the skeleton in A New Hope, and then you actually get to see the crate dragon in the Mandalorian, that skeleton was clearly a baby 
crate dragon. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It, that skeleton is way smaller than what we actually saw. But like <laughs> the idea of it, 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 it was, it had that like sandworm mentality, but it was also more than that. It just, the thing was massive and it was cool. And like the design aesthetic was amazing. And then there was that childhood, like lore aspect of it where you're just like, you know, I've always wanted to see a crate dragon and, you know, in action, if you will. So, um, yeah, it's just that whole first episode of the Mandalorian uh, second season is just amazing to watch when you get to see a crate dragon in action only because we had thought it's something we thought about for 40 plus years because that goes all the way back to the original Star Wars. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, no, this is a really great pick. And I think um, one thing like I'd like to touch on is just the CGI for that crate dragon in the Mandalorian was just so spot on perfect like it was beautiful cgi and it looked movie level and it just looked like it was really cool to see a monster like that in the star wars universe like presented so well and uh during that scene like that monster was huge and it did feel like a kaiju compared to all these you know all these characters who were trying to fight him off and uh yeah i just i I was really impressed by it. And that's like, it's, it's definitely a really good pick is, uh, I guess really what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what's your second to last pick of the night? Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, amidst the matching and stuff, I actually was going to talk about this one a little bit earlier, but, uh, I picked the Cloverfield monster. Um, and this is one where I, I really enjoy the first Cloverfield movie, especially. Um, I like 10, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane a lot, too, but that doesn't necessarily deal with this monster. Um, and there's the Cloverfield paradox where I didn't really like that movie, but it does tie all the stories together. Um, and I just think I just think this monster is really unique. Um, it's got a cool design. It's recognizable. Like, I think it's it's kind of cemented its, you know, its own little uh, presence in the world of pop culture over the years, which I enjoy. But um, I think it's just it's really just that first movie I just really love. And I think it's kind of a found footage film done done right for so many different reasons. But the way the movie is written and crafted is really awesome. And I think they've just they managed to also fit a decently iconic monster in there as well. Um, I think like thinking back on the movie, there's aspects of the design that I'm not cr super crazy about. Like, I don't know why a creature's lungs would be like outside of its body. Cause I feel like that's a huge vulnerability, but at the same time, you know, especially when you get like most recently watching the I think the Cloverfield Paradox was the movie in the series that I've watched the most recently. And after watching that kind of realizing that, no, this monster does have a really unique look and presence. And it's something that when you see one of these creatures on screen, it is instantly recognizable. And I just appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, this one I mostly picked just because of my love for that first Cloverfield movie. So, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, Drew, but yeah. I, don't know. I don't have much to say about it because I haven't seen Cloverfield in a really long time. The one thing I'm going to ask, though, is why what fell into the water at the end of the movie? So. I'm a <laughs> it's kind of funny because I, I feel like I knew this. Um, I knew this better at some time, but I kind of I'm a little bit rusty on my Cloverfield lore. But um, I believe it was the monster already was in 
like the ocean. And I think it was like an asteroid, like a meteorite or a satellite or something fell into the water and awakened the creature. Right. Okay. I think, and, and I know I haven't read it, but I know there's like a prequel comic book to the movie that I think explains that a little bit more detailed. Okay. But, um, I think that's kind of, I think people who've seen the movie and, uh, haven't read the comic, they kind of think like, oh, that's the monster falling into the ocean and then it's going to grow. And, uh, eventually it's going to come out as the monster we see in the movie, which I think is a pretty good explanation. But, uh, one of my friends has actually read the comic, uh, the comic book. And I think that's kind of what they said was that it was a asteroid or something fell in the water and awoke in the creature. And I can't remember if the creature was sort of a deep sea, like Cthulhu ask, you know, ask type of creature, or if it was like something alien that just ended up in our ocean somehow um, previously. But I don't know if that, that makes sense, but no, it does. It makes sense. Um, I just assumed that it was just the next creature that we were going to see, like something landed in the water. And just like, oh, oh, I gotcha. I thought well, it was well, a- so. So if you remember at the end of the movie, it's showing a flashback because it's showing footage that the uh, that the main character had filmed with his uh, ex-girlfriend before the Cloverfield attack ha- attack happened. So this was actually something pr- more previous. But I do get what you're saying, like. Maybe that is the next creature, and that was just kind of our preview of him, and he hasn't come out of the water yet. But uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's a pretty interesting speculation. Right. All right. Well, last picks of the night. Um, I have a feeling we matched actually, just because we haven't talked about <laughs> it yet. Um, and that's uh, Godzilla. Yep. Yeah, I, I went with Godzilla as well, and, so we and, matched. And in all and in all seriousness, um, it's he's the king of the monsters man um i mean godzilla is the original um i actually own um the uh original japanese gojira cut of godzilla the original um i I have a cut of the original version um it's just you know i this i don't really know what to say about it. he's the king of the monsters go watch the movie (laughs) you know (laughs) um yeah peter do you have anything to say for that or like i mean well, this is one where it's, um, you know, as a kid, like, I feel like, uh, I mean, I'm talking about a lot about childhood this episode, but I think it is like these sort of giant monster creature features. Like you just love that when you're a kid and your imagination's running wild. And I feel like so many, so many of these movies capture your imagination so well. And, um, of course I loved, uh, King Kong, but, and like, like how I mentioned earlier in the episode, like King Kong, I think emotionally I've definitely connected with King Kong much more than I have with any appearance of Godzilla. But when it came down to it, I just think Godzilla is just so much cooler and it's another character that I really enjoyed growing up and watching Godzilla movies. But I mean, he's just a giant like dragon monster who has atomic breath and kicks ass and he just looks so cool and like, that's kind of what it came down to. I was just like, no, Godzilla, like you said, he's the king of the monster, but he's he's pretty freaking badass to be <laughs> to be honest. So he just had right. to make, you know, this was the last one I was going to talk about. And it, it is hard to know exactly what to say because everybody's familiar with his character. But, you know, the majority of, the, of people out there love him as well. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, do you have any favorite versions of Godzilla or uh, favorite movies or anything? Um, I, all all Godzilla is awesome, except for that 1998 man <laughs> of, of Godzilla. <laughs> no, absolutely. I agree. The thing is, when that movie came out, I was really young, so I actually liked it when I first saw it. And looking back, it's kind of... Uh, it's it's pretty silly, but it's still one of those funny, I think, like B level movies that you can watch with a group of friends and you can all kind of clown on it, you know, kind of have your own little mystery science theater esque uh, night watching that movie. But um, no, no, I agree. I mentioned early, uh, I think I, I mentioned last week that I I'm not the biggest fan of the the newer design and the newer Godzilla movies, but it's kind of just I feel like his head looks a little small for his body and some, you know, some of the screenshots. But um, my favorite version, I mean, I would just go with the classic, um, you know, Japanese Godzilla movie designs. Like, I think most of those are pretty awesome. Uh, my favorite Godzilla movies movie that I've seen, which I haven't seen them all, but uh, is probably Godzilla Final War or Final Wars, which I don't know if you've seen that, Drew, but uh not. It's it's just a movie that I bought at like a used video store kind of on a whim. But it's it came out, I want to say late 2000s, early 2010s. But it's basically just Godzilla fighting every kaiju. And it's awesome. <laughs> so there's like there's, you know, this loose um, kind of ridiculous sci fi plot around the whole thing. But you really watch the movie because it's Godzilla versus almost every kaiju that you can think of. And it's just a blast to see all these different characters all in one film. And the, uh, the 1998 American Godzilla actually does make an appearance in that movie. And it's really funny. Um, I think he's the only CGI character in that movie and he literally gets taken out by the OG Godzilla in like 10 seconds, which is really hilarious too. So, um, I definitely recommend Godzilla final wars, uh, for anybody who gets the chance, but, uh, yeah. I don't I don't know what more to say about it, really. All right. Well, uh, Godzilla, man, he's the king of the monsters. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's why he was the last one we talked about. Um, all right. So let's do you want to know what we're doing next week? Yeah. OK, so this is one I've actually been holding on to for a really long time. Um, and so I'm going to throw it out there because it's kind of a, out of the realm for us. But I was thinking about um, video games and the stories that they tell. Um, we're at a point where uh, there was a graphics test. Like, I'm a big Elder Scrolls fan, so I play a lot of Elder Scrolls online. But I've played Skyrim and I played Oblivion and stuff like that. But the new one, there's a graphics demo that just released for Elder Scrolls 6. And it is, like, I don't know. I, I honestly have no clue, like, how much more real they can get these graphics. Um, if you look yeah. at the Elder Scrolls 6 graphic demo, like, it's... I. I Seriously, I don't know what the heck, but these these games are like getting to a point where they're almost in terms of storytelling, they're almost um, as good as movies. It's like reading it's like reading a lot like reading a book or a long form movie or a television show. They, they're so incredibly lengthy. But at the same time, you're also looking at the uh, you know what? I, do you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, in terms of the story these games are now telling, I was thinking it'd be really cool to discuss our favorite video game characters. Ooh, okay. I thought you were going to go sto video game like story arcs, but I, I thought about video game. 
I oh, thought keep about doing that, but a lot of times the story arc revolves around characters and stuff. So I thought video game characters could be really, really cool. Wow. You don't have to go a story route. I just thought it, you can even just go design aesthetic and say this is my favorite. I just thought it would be a cool list to do. It's been in my back pocket for a long time. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, this is a really this is really cool, but this is going to be a hard list to I narrow down. There's so many different <laughs> aspects to look at it. Yep, I know. <laughs> and then like i guess there's questions about like what constitutes a character but i think it just has to be it has to be a video game personality with a name and probably yeah a face and a personality you associate with it it can't be like yeah. i choose the left paddle in pong or something like that <laughs> right <laughs> face of the name <laughs> absolutely okay yeah this this will be fun but yeah this is this is going to be really hard to narrow down for sure i know, I know. um but that's what well, the cool thing about it is because i thought about it i was like you know like for example um zelda i don't know there's there's a couple games where you get to play as zelda but they're not necessarily like legend of zelda games because you play as a link who rescues zelda but zelda might be your favorite character because of the story arc that you go through when you get the whole story put together you see what i'm saying yeah so it doesn't necessarily have to be the character you play um that's why that's where i thought this could be an even cooler list when i and, put it together you know and here here's the other question that's actually i think kind of important is these are characters who first appeared in a video game right you can't say like spider-man's my favorite video game character correct they have to be spite they have to be video game characters um so darth vader yes he has got the star wars video games but he is a star wars character from a other franchise before he was a video game so okay perfect yes that that that, that is a rule i probably should have clarified so yeah video game no no worries i, th I think it's a this will this will be a fun one so yeah all right man are you ready to uh throw this episode in the can because we are done for the night yeah absolutely awesome uh well if everyone do us a favor uh check out our website top report.com there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along with the link to our uh, email top five report at gmail.com um you can hit us up on our email social media either way works we are on Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places, and if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, which we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be taking requests on what to choose as the form of the destructor. <laughs> yep, awesome. Um, I'm gonna. I'm thinking uh, the Pringles guy, just because I want to know what the rest of his body looks like. Um, <laughs> so, so I think he's. Uh, I actually think he's just a giant face, and his mustache flaps like wings. He's kind of a big Mothra esque kind. Oh, maybe. oh, nice, nice. Like the guy, <laughs> like the guy with the beard from uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. All right, everybody. Um, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And restore the Snyderverse, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>